Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. We're back again. Uh, it's uh, Friday the 13th here in planet Earth. Happy Friday the 13th. Uh, it's Mitch. It's me, Jake. Over here, it's Grant Bradkey. We are starting a cult. Set the water bottle down. It's over here. Welcome. Yeah, over yeah. here. Hello. Welcome on this How's very superstitiously creepy day. It's a good time to be alive, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, and speaking of a terrible man. Yeah, so today Terrible. we're we're going to oh, we're going Albert fishing. We are. Hey, oh, I wow. said that the other day. I was fucking taking my jokes. <laughs> I had to say it. It's got great signature on it. Grant wasn't going to say it until I reminded him, though. I I forgot about that. But we were in the car. <laughs> we were. I don't know Albert where we were fishing. Yeah, that's why I had to say it. We were going. To, I don't know where we were going. We were in the car, and I I remember. I remember now. It all makes sense. You it's coming to, back. You go to a steakhouse, something like that. Either that or Guitar Center. I don't know where. Either way. No, I think we were going to your house to drop off the the piano. I don't know. A piano. It was a weird yeah. day. It's hard to explain. Lots of stuff happened, but uh, I think I was working that day. Yeah, you were. But we saw you. Yeah. We were there. Oh my god, it was that day. But yeah, so anyway. uh, just a little insight into what we're going to uh, we're going to throw at you guys coming up here soon. Um, so this is the end of the Albert Fish trio. It is. And it's the official end of the Duo? show itself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I'm kidding. No, we, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, we're going to take, uh, what, we said two weeks? We're going to have uh, our own little things going here? Yeah, something like that. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we be putting out episodes, don't worry, but it, w- it won't be a series. It'll still be kind of a, a little bit more lax episode. Just stuff, because, you know, the holidays are... Yeah. We're gonna we'll have some they, they theme. fast approach. It'll be a themed episode, don't worry. We'll have good good stuff to talk about. And then uh, we'll get into our next series, which I'm not gonna say because I'm not crazy. You're not insane, no. And then uh yeah, so we got that going for us. It'll take us through the new year and into twenty twenty. And um I don't know if you guys know this. Uh the first episode ever ever recorded for this show was done on Christmas Day of last year. Yeah, you and Georgie reading through that uh, god-awful story about Mothman. Yeah, yeah, that was Christmas Day. I remember that day very vividly. That's all you need to... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I ate Chinese food, and then we played Super Smash Brothers. 
I think I was here. That's how that day went. I don't remember. But yeah, so we're back. We're gonna. Why don't we just wrap up this uh, Albert Fish? Yeah, let's character. go to Albert, Mister Fish. Yeah. So last time we like last left left off uh, when he we were talking about his implements of hell, right? His like meat cleaver, his butcher knife, and his small uh, handsaw. He carried that around like everywhere, pretty much. But uh, so let's get into some uh, some some dates here. So on uh, July 11th of 1924, uh, Fish came across an eight-year-old named Beatrice. Beatrice Kyle, I believe. Beatrice? And, uh, yeah, Beatrice. I like and, that uh, name. That's an underrated name. Yeah, I mean, it seems fitting for the time period, right? Yeah, you don't really hear that name very often now. No. It's true. Yeah. It's like Mary. I don't know, it's not tombstones. as popular now as it was 150 years ago. Mary? Mary. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. But oh yeah, so uh, Mr. Fish came across uh, eight-year-old Beatrice Kyle uh, playing on her front lawn in uh, Staten Island, right? She was alone. Represent Staten Island. Yeah. Uh, Shaolin. Shaolin, eh? Uh, So (laughs) he offered her uh, money to supposedly help him search for wild rhubarb, which I didn't know was like a thing. No, it totally is. Well, yeah, but like in Staten Island, is that like a, is that where it comes from? I mean, I don't know where it's here. I'll look it up right now. Yeah, oh, anyway, he he was like offering her money to search for rhubarb, and she was about to go with him uh, when her mom saw what was going on and like ran out. She was like, "Hey, uh, get out of here!" She like chased fish away, uh, chased him off the farm. But uh, yeah, so apparently, fish came back that night. After he was uh, run off the farm, and he attempted to sleep in the barn, and uh, he was found by Hans Kyle, Beatrice's father, and forced to leave. So he's just kind of uh, being being weird with kids and uh, sort of homeless, right? Yeah, you got that. Info. I'm sorry, I'm reading. I'm, I'm reading, reading about rhubarb? rhubarb. Yeah, I'm reading a lot about rhubarb right now. Yeah, you, yeah. So interesting. Any interesting rhubarb things? Uh, it's in the northern hemisphere uh, in about April and May, and the southern hemisphere in about October and November. And it's kind of grown everywhere. And half of the U.S. production of it comes from Pierce County, Washington. So the other side of the country, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, he was trying to lure her away. There's no real backing behind it. Anyway, during this time Fish was suffering from psychosis. He believed that God was telling him to torture and sexually mutilate children. And this was 1924. He was like 54 years old. So, yeah, he's just an old man looking yeah. for people. I just think of uh, that scene in Fear and Loathing with the salt shaker full of coke. And he's like, he's like, do you see what God just did? Because all the coke blows away because they're in the convertible. Yeah, yeah. That's what Fish is like. You see what God just did? He's like, no, you just did that. It's like, yeah, that kid's dead. They're they're dead. Oh, yeah, he gets into a lot of kids in more ways than one. But uh, so the next thing that we're going to be talking about it was a huge case in its time. It spanned over a couple of years. Uh, the case of Grace Bud. Yep. Yeah. Make sure there's a picture for you if you want some reference. Yeah. She's just a nice young woman. But that uh, stupid hair. It's not very good hair. Maybe that's why what happened to her happened to her. It's because of the times. Yeah, the times. The times. 
But anyway, uh, so on May 25th of 1928, so this is about four years after the uh, Beatrice Kyle incident, uh, yeah, Fish saw a classified ad in the Sunday paper, which is like the New York World or something like that. And uh, it was an ad for a young man, 18, wishes position in country. Edward Budd and then his address. So three days later, apparently, uh, on May 28th, the 58-year-old Albert Fish went to the Budd family residence in Manhattan. And uh, Fish introduced himself as Frank Howard. He was claiming to be a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. And uh, he offered Edward and his friend Willie a job on his uh, non-existent farm. Right? Yeah. All right. So, Fish later claimed in his uh, confessions that he planned to tie Edward up, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed out. This was his original intent. And uh, he left the Bud residence saying that he'd send for the boys in a few days. And uh, when he actually did return to the Bud homestead, uh, that is when he met Grace Bud. And supposedly, upon seeing her, he quickly changed his target from Edward to Grace. That is his Cleopatra. It is his Cleopatra, the beautiful goddess. But, uh, yeah. She's yeah. 10 years old. But, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, but, you know, this, this is through Fish's mind. Uh, all right, so he, uh, upon meeting her, he really quickly came up with this bullshit story about how he had to go to, like, see his uh, his niece. It was, like, his niece's birthday party. He's like, holy shit, I gotta leave. But before he left, he uh, somehow was just like, oh, I have this great idea. What if what if Grace comes with me to this party? And uh, apparently, Grace's parents, Delia and Albert, uh, they just let her go. They just, they just, uh, they were like, that's fine. This guy, yeah, that's fine. Go to this party with this, this random strange man. And Grace would never return home. No, no, she wouldn't. She and would not. I'm, you want me to tell you exactly uh, what happened? Yeah, let's happened? Go, let's go into that. It's uh, this is where, you know, I was saying it's gonna get gross. Oh yeah, no, this, get is, ready. this is definitely a gross part. We're leading into some very intense things here. Okay, so, uh, in November of 1934, a letter that was sent anonymously to the family, the Bud family. Uh, arrived at their house, and uh, Mrs. Bud could not read. She was illiterate, so she had her son read it to her. And uh, this is the completely unaltered letter. So if it sounds a little choppy or there's errors, that's because they didn't change it. Yeah, that's how it was written. You didn't spell everything right. This is word for word. All right, are you guys ready? Quote, My dear Mrs. Bud, In 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. 
part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven, took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First he killed the eleven-year-old boy, because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of the body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven. All of his ass boiled, broiled, fried, and stewed. The little boy was next. Went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese, strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat, on, sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook it, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have had I wished. She died a virgin. End quote. And that's the letter. That's the letter. Yeah. Very subtle. Um, the... yeah, he doesn't leave much to the imagination, does he? No, um... There are two things that I feel like I should mention. Uh, the Captain Davis and the famine in Hong Kong yeah. could never be verified by police. They did try to look into it. So it could never be truly verified if any of that was true. They don't know. And uh, a little bit more context. This is going to get really disgusting. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to tell you this now. Spoiler alert. He gets caught. So that's yeah, not. Yeah, that, we'll get into that. I'm not yeah. going to bring that up, but uh, it does come out later about uh, this specific one with Grace Bud. And it happens again a little bit later as well. Um, he does not have sex with her, as he so kindly said it. Yeah. But he does admit later that while he was strangling her, he ejaculated onto her chest involuntarily. Like, I mean, he was naked and he was choking her, and it just. He yeah. shot it out everywhere. Yeah. That's kind of his thing. Yeah, so I just I wanted you guys to have that gross information because I have it, so you need it now, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, everyone, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that was Grace Bud. That was what yeah, he... Yeah, that, that's what happened with Grace I, I, Bud. I, I, uh... just, I just want you to think about this. Like, So it's been six years since she's been missing. Yeah. A little bit more than that. And this just shows up at your house, this letter, and you can't read it. So your son is reading it to you. Yeah. And 
What a I, what a position. Yeah, like just I what don't. What a position to be in. I cannot imagine the reaction that occurred. Dude, they even like arrested someone mm-hmm. in like the six year, like within the six years prior. Yeah, what was it's that? Like, Nineteen thirty, I think. Yeah, it was like yeah. Uh, they arrested sixty-six year old Charles Edward Pope, and uh, he was like a suspect, but apparently his estranged wife like accused him of possibly doing it, and he spent like a hundred and eight days in jail. Like during his trial proceedings, but he was found not guilty. But so, like, basically, they had a slight glimmer of hope of finding who did this, and then it just got dashed away. And then six years later, this fucking letter shows up, and uh, yeah, it's not good. But this letter, specifically the one that was sent to um, Grace uh, Grace Bud's family, uh, it was it was addressed to Mrs. Bud, but um, apparently, it was uh, what ultimately led to their to uh, Fish's capture because of the envelope. The envelope. envelope. Do you want me to get into that or do you want to do some more uh, victims? Uh, You take it wherever you need to. I I got stuff coming up later. This could be uh, leading to his arrest. No, go ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about this later. Let's do that. All right, yeah. So the letter, it ultimately led to his capture, right? Uh, The envelope of the letter had a... uh, it was delivered... Yeah, wait a minute. The envelope had a hexagonal emblem on it with the letters NYPCBA, which stood for uh, New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. That sounds real. It it really does. Apparently it's a location because there was a janitor that worked there, and he was like, yeah, I took some of those. He told the police. He was like, yeah, I took some of the uh, the letterheads and like the envelopes. And uh, I took him home, but I left him at the place I was staying at the time, um, which was 200 East 52nd Street. He, like, left him in that house. And then the police followed that lead, and uh, they went and asked uh, who was... Uh, they went and asked the landlady who was, like, taking residence there, and supposedly she said that Albert Fish had uh, checked out a few days prior. Right, mm-hmm. so he's he's involved. They 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 have a name, right? And uh, apparently, Fish's son had sent him money, like in the mail, and uh, the landlady was told to hang on to that money until Albert like came back. So uh, yeah, so Chief Investigator William F. King, who's been chasing like the the killer for six years, basically the whole entire time. Uh, he just waited at the residence. He just waited there, and eventually Albert Fish showed up, and he at first was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go down to the station with you. you know, like, Just very agreeable. But then I think it kind of set in that he was, uh, he was done for. And uh, he pulled out a razor blade, and then uh, he was disarmed and placed under arrest. Makes sense. Right? That makes a lot of sense. That's ultimately this guy's downfall was an envelope. Yeah. I mean, he got, that dude, he got terrible cocky. thing that you read. He got cocky. He got you know? cocky in more ways than one. And, well, yeah. The sad go. news is that uh, he really would have gotten away with it at the end of the day, but he didn't. He had to send some letters. And then uh, this is where the uh, this is where the information all kind of came out. Yeah, because, it was all from his confessions. Yeah, he was talking to his um, his what do you call it? Uh, his attorney. Yeah, his attorney. And uh, he told her that uh, he never had any intention to uh, rape the rape Grace Bud, but uh, this, this is where he 
said that he did uh, involuntarily ejaculate twice. I apologize, twice. Oh, twice. Onto her dead and dying body. And his attorney used this information. It never came out in court uh, about the cannibalism mm-hmm. because he tried to spin it as sexually motivated instead of cannibalism because, I mean, I think the crime for cannibalism is probably a little bit more. Probably. I now, would, at the I end of imagine. the day, I think they're both about equal, but if you have both, you probably just stick with the one that's like, more in the everyday yeah, life. It's like, all right, let's not freak out these jurors. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. Um, so during all this time, uh, he's in court now, and they're going back, and he is found guilty of two other crimes. Uh, so Grace Bud was obviously the main one, but then yeah. there's two other ones. Um, one from 1924, uh, Francis McDonald, uh, who was eight years old. And then uh, in 1927, Bill Billy Gaffney, who was four, Gaffney. and uh, I'll I'll give you some information on these guys because wow. Uh, on July 14th, 1924, nine-year-old Francis McDonald uh, was reported missing by his family. Uh, he never came back home from playing with his friends in uh, the Port Port Richmond neighborhood of Staten Island. And uh, they organized the search, and they found uh, his body hanging from a tree in a wooded area by the house. Um, he was sexually assaulted multiple times, then strangled uh, with a pair of suspenders. Um, according to the autopsy, uh, he also suffered extensive cuts to the legs and abdomen, and his left hamstring had entirely been stripped of its flesh. Um, oh, yeah. He... Albert Fish uh, denied uh, responsibility for this, uh, but he did say that he intended to castrate the fella, but uh, he heard someone approaching and decided to just get the job done. As we, yeah, as we covered in the first part, this guy loves castration. Yeah. Um, so his friends told the police that the last time they saw him, he was walking with an elderly man with a gray mustache. Uh, a neighbor also told the cops uh, he observed the boy with a similar-looking man walking along a grassy path into the woods. Uh, Francis's mother, Anna, said that she had seen that man earlier that same day, and she told the reporters that came asking, uh, quote, he came shuffling down the street mumbling to himself and making queer motions with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray, end quote. Uh, this, and this is probably where he got the uh, nickname, the Gray Man. Eh? No, very much so. Yes. Very, very much so. This is how he got that nickname. Um, so, yeah, they they never knew anything about this uh, other than he actually had died until Albert Fish was caught, and then uh, eyewitnesses started coming out. Uh, there was a farmer named Hans Kiel who identified Albert Fish as uh, the stranger that he'd seen uh, with Francis earlier that day. Yeah. And... um. This is kind of the early stages of uh, the court case. And after this came out, it was just completely all downhill. Uh, the New York Daily Mirror was already calling Albert Fish the most vicious, vicious child slayer in criminal history. So he was already, like, climbing the ranks. That's high praise. And, uh, yeah, this all came out, like, at once. So he was very bombarded with this information. Yeah, yeah. Then um, 
Okay, we're going <laughs> to... I'll give you another warning, but we're getting to another letter, so get ready for that one. He just loves letters, man. He does. Uh, on February 11th, 1927, three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother were playing in the apartment hallway in Brooklyn with four-year-old Billy Gaffney. When the 12-year-old left for his apartment, both younger boys had disappeared. Beaton was found later on the roof of the apartment. When asked what had happened to Billy Gaffney, Beaton said, The boogeyman took him. Another nickname. There you go. Uh, They never found Billy Gaffney's body. Uh, Initially, the other serial killer at the time, Peter Kidzanowski, who was kind of doing similar shit around the area, he was suspected... Uh, of murdering Billy Gaffney, but they really had no ties other than just they knew who he was, so it was like, well, maybe it's him. So Wait, he's doing similar shit as in, like, killing kids or just being being a weirdo? No, like, killing kids. So and he's just hanging out. They're like, oh, there's a known kid killer on, over on the next street or something. Let me let me click on this right now. I Part of me wants to say he was probably already in jail at that point. No, yeah, he oh, so, was. Yeah, so he was being blamed for it, like. Yeah. Post. Yeah, he uh, was post trial. By this time, he was not arrested, but during the investigation of the case, he was he was arrested and then killed. So, it makes sense. They right. kind of connect the go. two. Um, then Joseph Meehan, a motorman on a Brooklyn trolley, motorman saw a picture of Albert Fish in the newspaper and identified him as the old man that he saw that same day. Uh, The old man had been trying to quiet a little boy sitting with him on the trolley. The boy was not wearing any jacket and was crying for his mother as he was dragged by this man on and off the trolley. Beaton's description of the boogeyman matched Albert Fisher's picture in the paper. Uh, Police matched the description of the child to Billy Gaffney, and that is when uh, detectives of the Manhattan Missing Persons Bureau were able to establish that Albert Fish was employed as a house painter by a Brooklyn real estate company during that same month, and that on the day of Billy's disappearance, he was working at a location only two miles away from where he was abducted. Fish wrote another letter to his attorney explaining this one. Okay. Buckle in. Let's do it. Buckle in, buckaroos, because it's coming right now. Quote, I brought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the G-boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet, and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag rag I picked out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m., and I walked home from there. The next day at about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat-of-nine-tails homemade short handle, cut on one of my belts in half, slit these half and six stripes about eight inches long. I whipped his bear behind till the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead by then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below his belly button. Then through his legs about two inches. 
below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head, feet, arms, hands, and the legs below the knee. This I put in sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into pools of slimy water you will see along the road going to North Beach. Water is three to four feet deep. They sank at once. I came home with my meat. I had the front of the, of, uh, I had the front of his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees and a nice fat little behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put it in the oven. Then I picked four onions, and when meat had roasted about a quarter of an hour, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, but his peewees I could not chew. Threw them in the toilet. End quote. Damn, can you imagine this guy's cookbook? Dude, this guy, yeah, he's like the Bobby Flay of true crime. It's disgusting, is, is it not? It really is. I he, he, couldn't, uh, he couldn't chew his nuts? Yeah, so I his, guess his monkey was as sweet as a nut. I'm guessing his monkey is the penis. It's the penis, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes little little nicknames. Yep. Um. <sighs> so yeah, he he ate him too. Yeah, I. Now this is what I find almost the most interesting out of all of this. Yeah. Elizabeth Gaffney, uh, the mother of Billy, mm-hmm. actually went to Sing Sing, uh, accompanied by Detective King and two other men to visit Albert Fish after he'd been arrested. And uh, she wanted to ask him about her son's death, uh, but Albert Fish refused to speak to her. Uh, He began to cry, and he asked to be left alone, and he didn't want to talk to her. Uh, After two hours of... poor poor Albert Fish. After two hours of asking him (laughs) questions through the lawyers, uh, James Dempsey, Mrs. uh, James Dempsey, who was with Mrs. Gaffney, they gave up. And Mrs. Gaffney was completely unconvinced that Albert Fish was the one who killed her son. Damn. Okay. Damn, he he fucking played her. Dude, he is playing people like a goddamn fiddle. She does not believe that he did it. To this day? Well, well I mean, she's probably now, dead but now. But like, did she? No. Like, she never. Really? She never believed it. Wow. Um, I I read a little bit about that in the book, and as far as it, as far as they kind of explained it. It was that she asked him very specific questions about birthmarks and, like, little quirks that her son had. Yeah. And he got them completely wrong. Like, he didn't know. And her whole point was that... Well, he was probably busy uh, mutilating and well, yeah. him. But apparently he had he had some, like, scar on his chest or something. Yeah. And uh, she she, I guess, in a very finessing way, asked him about it to see, like, what he thought about it. And he made comments about, like, how pure his skin was, and it was, like, untouched. And that made her think that it wasn't her son. But that that could be super subjective. Like, how pure... He was saying how pure his skin was. Yeah, because he was a child. 
so yeah wait a minute so she believes that he ate a kid no well yeah that it might not have been her kid no definitely because there are at least five other suspected victims of albert fish uh you have emma richardson yetta abramowitz robin jane lee mary ellen o'connor and benjamin cowings so there these were all brought up but nothing was ever able to actually be pointed down to albert fish interesting i mean like yeah i mean i'm with mitch and i feel like uh the purity of his skin was just because he was young, and that's Albert Fish's thing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, I didn't see that scar on my plate." Like, yeah, it's like think, of how, many, be... think of how many scars that guy has. Okay, yeah, there you go. He's got all the needles, all those needles, all those um, things. Yeah. So, in on March 11th of 1935, in White Plains, New York, Frederick P. Close presided as the judge, and Westchester County Chief Assistant. Elbert F. Gallagher was the prosecuting attorney, and uh, James Dempsey was the defense counsel for Albert Fish. Uh, he was a one-time mayor of Peekskill, New York. Uh, the trial only lasted for 10 days, uh, where Dempsey and Fish pled insanity, claiming to hear the voice of God telling him to do this. Uh, during this time, Multiple psychiatrists uh, actually testified in favor of Albert Fisher's mental illness because I'm going to read you this list here, and there's a, a couple things in here that I had to look up because I don't know what they I didn't know what they were. Right, go. This is sadism, okay? Yeah, there, Ma- there you uh, go. Masochism. Yeah, there you go. Flagellation. Mm-hmm. Exhibitionism, which is just streaking being naked and uh the actual wikipedia page for exhibitionism has a guy with his wiener out (laughs) oh look at that that's a wiener hell yeah then you got voyeurism which is the the sexual interest in spying on unwilling participants sounds Uh, like albert peekerism which is the sexual attraction of stabbing someone with a sharp object piercing the skin all right then you got cannibalism. There you go. Coprophagia, however we said that last week. The one where you uh you know you eat shit. You eat shit. Then Europhilia, the one where you drink piss. Yeah. Uh pedophilia and last but not least, infibulation, which is just another term for uh mutilating female genitals. Okay. Uh if you guys want to know what they do in that, um they uh they take the external part of the female genitalia, uh, they completely chop it off, and then they suture the vulva back up. And they still do that nowadays, but that's a topic you know, for another time. Yeah. It's more like a religious thing, isn't it? Yeah, but Albert Fish was uh, into that. Yeah, okay. Religious man. If you, yeah, yeah I he mean, was hearing God. I mean, female mutilation is like a, a huge topic because it still happens now. Yeah, it's a... It's going on in Africa, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, so you, these were all the things that that actual doctors and psychiatrists had Dude, on Albert Fish saying this is w- what is wrong with him. Dude, think of, like, the time period, too. Like, the, the fucking 20s. This mm-hmm. was blowing people's minds. <laughs> like, I'll yeah, tell you like, this. This is fucked up now, but back then... It's like that's unheard of, dude. Even yeah. now, if we you can look took up away a video of like someone pissing in someone's mouth on Pornhub, and like I'll two tell seconds. you this: if you but took away, then... if you took away voyeurism, uh, peacurism, cannibalism, pedophilia, and infibulation, you're really just like a weird 
guy nowadays. You know, there's Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, those five or six things are also. Present, there's no but... <laughs> crime against like being into pain and like bodily functions. It's oh, yeah, just, there's like a it's whole just strange. Of people who do that all the time. And but, it's fine. It's consensual. It's nice. Yeah, if you're into it, you're into it. But there's yeah, there's a couple big hitters on this list that are are very not okay. And they they're actually crimes in and of themselves, as long with uh, yeah. things that are not okay with you. Um, so the defense, uh, the defense's chief expert witness was Frederick Ortham, who was a psychiatrist with an emphasis on child development, and uh, he had conducted psychiatric examinations for the New York criminal courts. Right. Sounds good. During two days of the testimony, Frederick explained Fisher's obsession with religion, and specifically his preoccupation with the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, if you want to look that up yourself, it's Genesis 22, 1 through 24, there you if go. you're interested. Yeah, for the Bible folk. Wortham said that uh, Albert believed that similarly sacrificing a boy would be penance for his own sins, and that even if the act itself was wrong, angels would prevent it if God did not approve of it. Fish attempted the sacrifice once before, but it was thwarted when a car drove by. Was that the angel driving a car? Yes, and then Edward Budd was the next intended victim, but he turned out to be larger than he expected, so he settled for Grace. Uh, although he knew Grace was a female, it was believed that Albert Fish perceived her as a boy up until he saw her naked, which he's admitted to, as did the family accepted that, knowing that that's yeah, what they thought. He, he didn't really like necessarily want to uh, uh, screw around with, with uh, the, the girls. Yeah. He said he tended to avoid them. Though there are, what is it, two or three victims on the list? Yeah, there, I'll, I'll go like into the, suspect, or the suspected victims later, and it's kind of strange. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Frederick uh, detailed that Albert Fish's cannibalism, which uh, in his mind he would associate that with Holy Communion, being a religious person. The last question that Dempsey had asked Wortham was 15,000 words long. And this detailed Albert Fish's life and ended with him asking how the doctors considered his mental condition based on the life he had lived. Frederick simply answered, he is insane. Three ans- three words to answer a 15,000-word question. How pissed was that guy? Yeah. Uh, Gallagher cross-examined Frederick on whether Fish knew the difference between right and wrong. He responded that he did not know but that it was his perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sin, atonement, and religion, and thus his right and wrong was based on, quote, insane knowledge. So I, his answer was so yes. So Albert Fish is, like, explaining how his insanity works? No, 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 like, the Frederick Wortham, uh, the psychiatrist. Uh, so his answer was he did know what was right from wrong, but he didn't know what was right and what was wrong. That was Essentially, that was what his interesting. answer was. That he knew what he should and shouldn't do, but he didn't know which when was it was which, okay. Yeah. Basically. Um, so then they brought in two more psychiatrists to back up what Frederick had said. Um, the first of the four rebuttal witnesses was Menace Gregory, the former manager of Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital, where he, Albert Fish, was during the 30s. Uh, he testified that Fish was abnormal but sane. And under cross-examination, Dempsey asked if eating eating shit and drinking urine and having sex with children indicated a sane or insane person. Gregory replied that such a person was not mentally ill 
that these were common perversions that were socially perfectly all right, and that Fish was no different from millions of other people around the globe. Some very prominent and successful people who suffered from the same perversions, but not crimes. Hmm. Wow. Uh, <laughs> quite the, quite the rebuttal. Uh, the next witness they brought in was the resident physician at the tombs, Perry Lichtenstein. Dempsey objected to a doctor with no training in psychiatric testifying on the issue of sanity, but the judge overruled on the basis that the jury could decide what weight to give a prison doctor. When asked whether Albert Fish causing himself pain indicated a mental condition, Lichtenstein replied, that is not masochism, and he was only punishing himself to get sexual gratification. The next witness, Charles Lambert, testified that eating shit was a common practice and that religious cannibal, religious cannibalism is not psychopathic, but was a matter of taste, as he put it. A matter of taste. And in no way, shape, or form was that evidence of psychosis. The last witness, James Vavasour, repeated Lambert's opinion. Another defense witness was Mary Nichols, Albert's 17-year-old stepdaughter. She described how Albert Fish taught her and her brothers and sisters several games involving overtones of masochism and child molestation. Um, after hearing all this, none of the jurors doubted that Albert Fish was insane, but ultimately, as one later explained, they felt that he should be executed anyway. So as far as the ruling goes... <laughs> you know goes, what? That's pretty fair. As far yeah. as the ruling goes, they decided that he was sane and completely in charge of his faculties, and therefore they found him guilty, and the judge ordered the death penalty. So Albert Fish arrived at prison in March of 1935 and was executed on January 16, 1936, in the electric chair at Sing Sing. I'm pretty sure uh, in an interview in that uh, in that little time between when he got sentenced and when he actually got, like, murdered, not murdered, executed, uh... He asked his thoughts on it. He was just like, what, what, will you, what will you do if they send you to the electric chair? And his response was, it would be the ultimate thrill. Yeah. No, he did say that. So he was into a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was, uh, okay, where was I? He entered the chamber at 11.06 p.m. and was pronounced dead before 11.10 p.m. that very night. He was buried in the prison cemetery right outside the walls. Um, this is where it's a little strange. Fish is actually said to have helped the executioner position the electrodes around his body. <laughs> and that specifically has never been debunked. People that were there said that, yeah, he did that. He asked. And they let him. Uh, his last words, the last things he ever said were, quote, I don't even know why I'm here, quote. Those were his last words. Well, no need to, I guess. And, and uh, according to the rumors of uh, witnesses that were present, it took two separate jolts to finally kill Albert Fish, creating the rumor that the apparatus was short-circuited by all the needles that were stuck in his pelvis. Um, fair, fair. The, apparently these were regarded as untrue, and they said that Albert Fish died in the same fashion and time frame as every other person in the electric chair. I wonder if he got a boner. He 100% did. Don't uh, even think definitely, he did. Definitely. And he probably pooped himself. He loved that. Peeing, semen, electrocution, death, everything. Yeah, 
He got it all in the end. Yeah, he did. Um, I I kind of think that one's a lie too, because it's like, of course, they're not going to admit that the electric chair didn't do the job right yeah, away. Yeah, probably not. I don't think that that actually happened, but the odds of it happening are not crazy. I don't think so. You yeah. know. Um, at a meeting with uh, reporters that were there for the execution, uh, Fisher's lawyer James Dempsey revealed that he was in possession of his client's final statements. This amounted to several pages of handwritten notes that Fish apparently penned in the hours just prior to his death. When pressed by the journalist to reveal the document's contents, Dempsey refused, stating, It is my job. I will never show it to anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenities that I have ever read in my entire life. End quote. Damn, so it's still not uh, still not open to the public then? Nope, never been released. They... um. No one knows for sure. I've read in a lot of places that they said uh, Dempsey burned them. Some people said he lost them, but I don't know. I think if he lost them, there's a lot of collectors out there. Yeah. If that was still out there somewhere, someone would have it, them, and it wouldn't be a secret anymore. Yeah. It'd be a big thing because these things go for a lot of money. Yeah. Like they they really do. Um. But yeah. So that is Albert Fish. Yeah. Uh, his He's known dead. victims are three. Uh, as I said, it's Francis McDonald, Billy Gaffney, and Grace Budd. Then the suspected murders are Emma Richardson, Yetta Abramowitz, Robin Jane Lee, Mary Ellen O'Connor, and Benjamin Collins. The strange thing about some of these are the age gap. I mean, so in the suspected murders, you have Emma Richardson, who's five, uh, Yetta Abramowitz, who's 12, Robin, who is six, and then you have Mary Ellen O'Connor, who's 16, and Benjamin Collins, who's 17. Hmm. So you never know. You never know what's going to happen. When he was going after the uh, the Bud Boy, like he saw in the ad that he was 18 years old, and he went to go try to get him. Yeah, and he was just too big. Yeah, too big. He was too. I don't know what large. he expected though. He, he was like, I want to work in the, uh, in the in the in the fields there. Yeah, I don't know what his whole plan was, but that's okay. Fuck him. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of a piece of garbage. He's but... not a good. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I hope no one idolizes Albert Fish after listening to this, like people do with the Joker and stuff. Yeah, people well, see, idolize serial killers and a, stuff. There's a difference. I would never, I would never ever say I idolize any of these serial killers in yeah, the no, world. Yeah, we just talk about them because they're just fascinating but there are some more than others that you kind of like at least me i've gotten in arguments with people where it's like i kind of have like a soft side for him a little bit where it's like like you look at like a Dahmer, it's yeah. like it, it, it no in no way excuses his behavior no, but it's he also have did what he did but he just wanted like a companion yeah it's also just like that is true like depravity that is just like sickness yeah i feel like there is some level of sympathy for, you know, anyone. No, definitely. Serial, serial killers, regular people, you know. And yeah. I think with Albert Fish, it's hard to have that. But at the same time, jumping in to defend him, this was before the days of, like, interviews and things like that. So all we have are these letters, which are, like, disgustingly despicable. Yeah. But there's never – he never had the opportunity of, like, a Gacy, a Bundy, a Kemper, a Dahmer – to like sit down and actually like talk about it and like not that his side would change how I feel about him. Yeah, probably not. But, but at least it might provide a little bit more insight. Yeah. Yeah, and you see 
the more human side. Yeah. We only see the written historical side of what the he did. So horrifying pictures of him. It's obviously extremely yeah. dark. You know what I mean? It's like it's like Vlad the Impaler. It's like I'm sure that guy was a human being. You know, I'm sure he had emotion. Mm-hmm. But no one knows that because history does not, history doesn't write itself. It's written by the people that get to it first, really. Yeah, pretty much. And it's the same with Albert Fish. I mean, yeah, he's fucked up. He's gross. But you never know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he definitely was pretty sick. I a mean, little bit. A, I'll I'd tell say. you this: a sane person, you can. I'm not. I'm not picking on anybody. If you like, you know, pain during like sex or whatever, that's that's your business. It's not mine. It's fine. But if you're just for fun shoving needles into your body, you need to see a doctor. That's not normal behavior. Yeah. It's like, man, that's just kinks are one thing, and then uh, actual self self inflicted pain just for fun is a whole creepy, disturbing level of that. Mm. Well, I don't really know, you know, how you know, uh, psychiatrists deal with stuff like that, you know? Who knows? Do we know anything about that? I don't know. I, what do you psychiatrists? mean? Psychiatrists? Yeah, it's oh, yeah, like, yeah. oh, what's wrong with this person, you know? What was their childhood like? You know, how did that bring well, them I mean, to this point? I think it's different for everyone. A lot of it is... I don't know. I'm not. I'm nowhere near an expert on like the human mind, but I feel like in a case like a dude like Albert Fish, it's definitely some type of mental illness paired with like trauma, childhood trauma. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't just like come naturally. I, a normal person doesn't just wake up and say, like, "You know what would really get my dick hard today? Sticking a bunch of needles in my fucking ass." Like it just, that that just doesn't happen. Yeah, it, something has to like. Something is misfiring in your brain yeah. that allows that to be an option for you. Don't know, man. Don't know. I don't know. That just that just came out of nowhere. I'm just dissecting this because I feel like this is one topic. Like serial killers, you can kind of like actually discuss. You know? Yeah. Because it's that's what's interesting about them. I mean, I think people, not everyone. I'm not putting this on everyone that is interested in true crime. But I think a lot of people are into true crime for, like, the wrong reasons. It's more, like, the shock factor of, like, do you know about this guy? Mm-hmm. It's like a personality trait. No, it is. And it's, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, the part that I enjoy about stuff like this and reading about it is, like, I don't know, just, like, look at all the lives that were, like, ruined or touched by, like, this crazy dude. It's amazing. And it's, like... I don't know, man. It's it's a triumph of the human spirit to, like, overcome that. Yeah. Try to understand it and prevent stuff like this happening. Yeah, you know, exactly. When people go crazy. Or, like, look at his kids. You know, like, how do you, like, go on with your life? Like, you really don't. Especially Albert Jr. Are you joking? Yeah, but it's like, you have to. Like, you can't not do it. You know, you yeah. have to do it. It's just a, it's weird, man. It's a whole strange phenomenon. It's fun though. It's a, it's it a good fun. ride. It keeps you interested. So there it is. There's our. There was Albert Fish. Our little. It's a series. It's not as hefty as the Skinwalker series, but it's it's a series nonetheless. It's, it's a two parter. Uh, it's got enough gross stuff packed in there to make it. Uh, sorry. Short, short and sweet and to the point. Yeah, yeah. not exactly. Really. Um. So yeah, well, coming up on the docket, we I, we typically don't do this, but you know it's the holiday season. We're feeling a little bit giving. Here's if you will, stuff for you. Here's what we're going to be hitting you with. We we're not going to give you specifics, 
uh, as I said earlier, the next two weeks uh, through the holidays. So for a Christmas episode and uh, for coming into the New Year's episode, we'll be a couple days early on those. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll be doing some themed episodes. We're going to see what we could find about uh, just, you know, time pieces, holiday you know, period season. pieces, holiday stories. Yeah. We're definitely, we're not going to make it, you know, boring. We're going to keep it creepy. That's what we do here, you know. Keep it nice and yeah. freshly odd and strange. That's kind of what we're into. Hilarity. Yeah. Then, after that, uh, let me. I got the calendar right here. Let me pull up the dates. I I have stuff written down. So yeah. So the twentieth, well, uh, the twentieth and the twenty seventh, we will have fresh new episodes for y'all. Uh, not a series, just kind of offbeat episodes where we're going to talk about you know different stuff, different things. And then coming at you live on January 3rd of 2020, if you can believe that. 2020. Jesus Christ. We will be starting the year off very strong with a series. Uh, we do, I don't know how many parts yet. Don't even ask. I have yet to assemble that Yeah, one. it will be a series. It will be more than one. Definitely. It. I'm, I'm, right now, I'm leaning towards two or three. That's where I'm seeing Probably, it. Probably, yeah. Um, And if you want to know what that is, uh, there are a couple people that know, and the only person that isn't a part of this show that actually knows is Jeff. Jeff. As we've mentioned last week, because Jeff is the one that has been asking for it. So he's getting it. He's the man, yes. You're getting it, buddy. So we got a series on that. Then I want you to take this time. This will be a little bit closer to February, under January. Mm-hmm. We will be doing another series, and this series... Will it's, be longer, I would say, than Skinwalker. It might be. It is a yeah. very, very hard topic, and it is the most disturbing it topic is, we like, can ever deprave. do. Oh, God, it is. It is terrifying. It is. It I'll is truly this, terrifying. It is going to make you look at life in a completely different way, and there might be a lot of people that or names that you've heard. That will be talked about, and you might never think of that person the same again. Probably not. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But, uh, yeah, so just prepare yourself because, man, if you thought, like, Garavito or the Toy Box Killer or Albert Fish were, like, disgusting, it's going to get extremely heavy. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of episodes of it. I wanted to get that out there now because it... uh, it's not one of those topics I want to just like throw at everyone. Like, yeah. Hey, here we are. It's Friday. We're going to talk about this. Yeah. You need to really like brace yourself. Strap in. No, this is strap in. You need to straight jacket yourself in. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's what we got on the docket uh, for the next couple weeks. Yep. We got some hot stuff coming out, and uh, we'll start planning on some more. Start the new year, you know. Um. We, uh, you know, we're we're waiting on those emails. I know you guys we are, are busy. waiting on the emails. We're waiting on them. It's been a busy year, but I know, know you guys are busy. But um, seriously, you know, like, hey, it's very simple. Jeff asked, and he will receive. Yeah, you know, you just ask for stuff, and we'll just give it to you. If you, dude, so, uh, that happened before the Fort Dearborn massacre. That was a request I'd gotten. Yeah. Um, it happens if you Ruby want Ruby Ridge. Yeah, that was Georgie. His his uh him and his boss wanted to hear it. Yeah. Um Yeah, if you have any suggestions, if there's something that you think would be interesting to hear or like just hear us talk about, throw it at us. We're we're open. We wanna we wanna cater to what you want. 
So with that being said, we are starting out, a cult. Pull out your goddamn phones. Yeah, do and it. Send us an email about what you want to hear. At startacult at gmail.com. Yes. And uh, just know that uh, we'll get to it sooner than you think. Probably. And if you don't like email, you know, you can message. Yeah, DMs, all that stuff. We're on Twitter, Instagram. We're on uh, all that stuff. We got it all, man. Um, And let's face it, if you know us personally or anyone that is actually, like, part of this show, because there's a lot of us, just just ask one of us. And the message will get to Jake or I, and we will be able to do it. We'll be able to. It's not an impossible universe anymore. We can make this happen. It's true. So there you go. Thanks for sticking this out. Yeah, uh, it was truly disgusting. It was. We'll be back uh, before Christmas for all you guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll give you a nice, uh, healthy episode before you hang out with the family, if that's what you're doing. There you go. Family time spent uh, after we start a cult. That's it. That's it. We (laughs) are starting a cult, yes. Goodbye. We love you. We love you guys. Yes, it's true. You're great. Goodbye. Bye. 